0: If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, and uh, I wouldn't let the small crowd bother you if what Eric said read was true from the words of the Lord, and if these aren't the last days, the crowd's going to get smaller and smaller, and uh, it's probably time we begin to face that fact and uh, because many people with love will grow cold the bible says and if you read that text carefully that eric read it says that even christians will turn on one another if you have your bibles with you i invite you to turn to matthew chapter 22 and i want to share a two-part series of with the great commandment and today's message is called a passion for god and if you have your bibles would you stand in honor of god's word please and Look down in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind. Father God, as we come before you this morning, how I pray that you would give me clarity of thought, that you would give each person here the grace to listen with the ears of their soul, to see with the eyes of truth. Help us to block out all the discordant voices that rage for attention in our minds so that in the next few moments your word will speak a message of truth. And I pray already for those who need to make decision that today would be that day. And that, Father God, you would encourage us and give us the grace to love you with all of our heart, in Jesus' name, amen. Some people would say that we live in troubled times, and we certainly live in controversial times, don't we, with rapid changes in our world and our own country. And our president of change has delivered on his promise to bring change. Some of the changes uh, people think are good, and others tell us the future is uncertain, maybe even catastrophic. But regardless of how you feel about the politics of the day, there's a clear warning for us in Matthew chapter 24, the passage that Eric wrote. The text tells us that we will hear false teachers. Anybody heard one of those lately? I have. We will hear about wars. Anybody heard that lately? We'll hear about famines all the time. Even in this modern world of transportation and, and uh And farm techniques, we still have famine in the world where literally thousands of people die from not enough to eat. Why? Earthquakes, well, need I say more? False Christ, are there people always offering us new hopes, new ideas? They don't necessarily have to say, I am Jesus, but there are people all over the place saying, this is where we go. We need to go here. We need to go there. We need to go there for our salvation. And Jesus tells us that there will be persecution of Christians. Are we hearing more about that? Even in our own land. And during this tribulation, there'll be many who will hate and even kill Christians for their faith. We haven't got to that in this country, but that is occurring in other lands, even as I speak today. But the point of the text, and here's the important thing to remember, my friends, is the important point of this text is not to give us a litany or a list of things to watch for so we'll know when Jesus is coming. The important point of this text is a stern warning by the Lord Himself watch your heart. Watch your heart. Because many people, many Christians' hearts will grow what? Cold. Cold. In the face of the tribulation and in the face of the unpopularity of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, many people are going to grow cold. And if indeed these days that we live in are the last days, and I don't know if they are, but if indeed they are, the crowds might get smaller. It may not be so popular to be here on Sunday morning. And the ominous warning to our hearts is that in these days of lawlessness, Jesus said, people's hearts will grow cold. And, and I asked myself the question as I was studying this text this morning or this week, am I going to be one of those people? Are you going to be one of those people? You know, growth is a slow kind of thing. It's not that one day you wake up and you go, i got a cold heart today. It takes time. It's kind of like a fire that was once raging in our bosom and so bright and so, so strong we think this fire will never go out. And because it's not fed and nurtured and strengthened over time before we know, before we know it. There's just embers, or worse yet, cold coals, where there was once the warmth of, of God in our life. When we let the world creep in, it robs us of our passion. What is your supreme passion this week? Just this week, I went hunting for the first time in my life. I've never been hunting before. And we went turkey hunting. Didn't kill anything, but... I had a great time sitting in the woods and listening to him run all around me doing that little thing he does. Those of you hunters know what I'm talking about. We did see a big tom. It had a footprint the size of my hand. But I hate to tell you this because it's embarrassing, uh, especially as a physician. The turkey was smarter than me, and uh, he, uh, I was not able to get the best of him. But when we were going turkey hunting, this guy showed me uh, his brother's place, and his brother raises these uh, these beagles, these, hunting, these beagles that hunt rabbits. And this man has a great passion for raising rabbit hunting beagles. And I went to go, he said, I got to show you this, you won't believe it. And he took me into his office, and it was literally cluttered with trophies. I mean, not five or six, but literally dozens plaques on the walls, uh, awards, gifts, and, and all these beautiful beetle trophies. Uh, Pens outside, and there was one. There was one pen that was a special pen that they're installing an in air conditioning in. It's the breeding pen. They want to make sure the little buggers uh, are amorous when they go in there. <laughs> and and this guy is is a fanatic about these beagles. And it, you know he's doing it. He's doing it a wonderful job. He's got all kind of awards. And it, if we're going to be excellent about anything, it takes passion, does it not? And there's nothing wrong with passion. It's misplaced passion that is the problem. Many people are passionate. Passion itself is a good thing. One can be passionate about a lot of things. But if one's passion is misplaced or supersedes one's love for the Lord, then we're in trouble. The terrorist who blows himself up along with innocent people is passionate about his cause. But that doesn't make his passion good. The student who defiantly stood before the tanks at Tiananmen Square, he were passionate that was passion, to say the least. The Buddhist monk who sets himself aflame in protest over Tibet. That's passion. That's great passion. But is that passion to be admired? In Jesus' day, there was a pantheon of Roman gods to be passionate about. Some were worshipers of sun gods. Some were moon gods and, and gods representing the forces of nature. And, and patriotism among the Romans was, uh, uh, elicited great passion And Jesus gave all of these passions perspective when he stated that the one great passion worthy of our lives is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, I want you to notice that there's two very important things to understand about this passage. One is he didn't say just love a God. He said the Lord your God. He's referring to the Jehovah God of the Bible. Now, I know that's not a popular thing to say nowadays. We want to believe that all all ways will get you there. But that's not the truth, my dear friends. Not if Jesus was telling the truth. He wasn't talking about any God. There were a lot of gods for those people to choose from. He was talking about the Jehovah God of the Bible. And secondly, he was talking about a love that was not just a sentiment of feeling that invokes or arouses gentleness in our hearts when we think about soft fuzzies. He was talking about the kind of love... That will literally take your life he's talking about a value above all other values and the greatest commandment in our lives is to love the lord our god with all of our heart it isn't just passion that jesus encourages us to have but it's passion as revealed in the scripture when Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, he compared it to a valuable treasure which a man sold all he had to purchase it or he referred to the kingdom of God as a pearl of great price where a man gave up everything he had just to own it. And this kind of love isn't just a feeling. Uh, it's more than that. It's a consuming fire. It's not just words, but it's actions. Wives know that about their husbands. Wives appreciate affection and, and, uh, and uh, attention and, but most women I know also appreciate responsible behavior and support. Love is more than just feeling. It's an action. And Jesus asked Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Jesus replied, I mean, Peter said, of course I do. And Jesus is asking us that same question today. I've got to hurry along, but I want to share with you, first of all, that we, if we're going to have God as our supreme passion in our life, we have to love God above all things. Listen to this verse, Matthew 6, 24. I've got lots of verses, and I probably should have given them to the secretary to put on the screen for you, but just listen closely, and you can jot them down and go home and look at them later. The Bible says that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Now, I think most of us are good Baptists here, and we say, well, yeah, I got that down uh, Alan, well, I know that you're supposed to love God more than you are your things. Everybody knows that. We all know of people who, who uh, love their boats and their cars and their houses more than God, and that's wrong. We all accept that. Okay. Well, I'm not so sure we do. Do we love this building more than we do the kingdom of God? Does this building have some sort of sacred affection in our hearts? Because our grandfather worshipped here, our grandmother worshipped here. It's just a thing. Amen? Boy, that got attention, didn't it? Come on. Let's get real. Because in the last days, my dear friends, cultural Christianity, traditions of family, is not going to cut it. If you don't have inside your being the understanding of having a passion for God and really know Him and have a relationship with Him... You are going to grow cold. Wow. I did not wake up on the wrong side of the bed this morning, I promise you. I just feel so passionate about this. Boy, we need to, we need to cut out the clutter and get to the center message. Amen? Do we love the Lord above all things? Secondly, we love the Lord above all relationships. The Bible says Jesus said himself, he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Matthew 10, 37. Goodness gracious, I love my family. I really do. For those of you who don't know, I've got the sweetest wife a man could ever have. I come home from work and she's got iced tea sitting there on the counter waiting on me. She cooks me all these meals. She puts up with me in my cantankerous ways. I've got four wonderful children that that, that I'd do anything for. And we do do things for our family. I had a friend of mine that he's been trying to get me to go fishing for a year. We were talking on the phone. He says, well, you're always so busy. When are you going to go fishing? I said, well, I've got two jobs. And he says, what do you mean you have two jobs? I said, well, I work for Floyd Medical Center and I work for Ann. But that's okay. And I love my family just like you love your family. But Jesus said, Alan, you have to love me more than them. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So above all things, above all relationships, and even our own life, you see, you mean God wants me to love him more than our own life? Listen to Matthew ten thirty eight, And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will, lo- will find it. Now watch this. Why is it that God wants for us to love him so supremely above all else? Is he egotistical? No. He desires this for he knows that he is life. When our affections are singularly fixed on him, then we, too, share his life without without distraction, and we flourish like a branch on the vine of life. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. When God saves us for his glory, he shares his life with us in order to redeem us and save save us from the world and from ourselves. Countless examples are those who have great passion for other things besides God, and they suffer the consequences. And many are those who chose to love God and were rewarded with lives well spent, leaving a legacy of truth and hope. So one of the things we have to do if we love God is to have Him supreme in our life. Is He that way for you today? If He's not that way for you today, you certainly aren't going to be in the company of the commitment in the last days during tribulation. Secondly, to love God is to turn from our evil desires and in faith obey Him. You know, our heart needs direction and, uh, and redemption. Listen to what Jeremiah said about the heart. Now, this is my heart he's talking about. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. You know, it's a, it's a humbling thing to... Uh, stand up here and tell you, I, I got a sick heart, but I do. And whether you believe it or not, so do you. Because God says you do. And we sometimes want to be real proud as Baptists. And we say, Well, I'm not so bad. Well, you may not be compared to your neighbor. The problem is, your neighbor's not God, and that's your comparison. And it has been said that love is the motivating principle for most people. People desire to love and to be loved. And without love, we are left unfulfilled and lost. And the command for us to love God gives direction to that basic need in our lives. But to do that, we have to humble ourselves and repent of our sins. The Pharisees love their traditions and religion more than they love God. And I fear that some of us do that same thing. Many religious people find solace, security, and belonging in their own history and cultural group. And sometimes unknowingly they make these their passions and fail to reach out to people that are different than themselves. It's like being a member of a religious club. And as a result, we become increasingly more ineffective in the the kingdom work as God has commissioned us to do. We are by nature selfish and fallen. And only a glance around will tell you that mankind's in big trouble. The Bible says that this condition is true from the beginning. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of his thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. I believe that in order to love God, it's just like Jessica was singing a few moments ago. From her heart And I don't think anyone here questions that And as she's saying to us If you were listening to the words I think the reason that young woman was so Compassionate about what she's singing Is she's lived it She's felt it, she's known it Those who really love God Have known and felt personally Their own wickedness And are so grateful for the forgiveness and grace of God. But if you're here today and you still think of yourself as not being that bad. And not needy. And hungry. And naked before God. You're going to have a tough time loving him with all your heart. God sees not as a man sees, for the man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The book of Psalms, it says, for he knows the secrets of the heart. And the amazing thing about God's love is that he loves us even though we're sinners. He loved us with an everlasting love. The psalmist wrote, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise, the Bible says. In the book of Second Chronicles, we read about a dramatic and touching expression of God's desire for us to come to him with a needy spirit. He wrote to those people. He said, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against his inhabitants. And because you humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes and wept before me, I truly have heard you, declared the Lord. I wonder if the pastor would be open to us having a Sunday of repentance rather than a Sunday of praise. And I wonder how many folks would show up. But if we're serious about meeting with God, is that not what the text says? And then Jesus, my favorite verse, or one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, I've got to go. Um, Let me hurry through the rest of this so maybe it'll make sense to you. The other side of humility and faith is obedience. To love God is to obey God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Commandments are important. Obedience is important. We live in a world where many believers today, they regard the commandments of God as suggestions not his commandments, and we find ourselves lost. Commandments are important. Can you imagine going through traffic, rush hour traffic in Atlanta, and, and some politician, and I, w- I would say that this would be beyond my imagination, but that lately I don't anything's possible, but uh, some politician decided to remove all the street signs in Atlanta, all the speed limit signs, all the stop signs, all the yield signs, all the stoplights, and instead just put on, ev- on the side of the road, love your neighbor as yourself you imagine trying to drive through Atlanta under those rules? If you get home alive, it will take you a long time. We need direction. We need, we need somebody to tell us how to live. That's the commandments of God. The Bible says that God's given us these commandments to give us direction. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of deuteronomy know therefore today and take it to your heart that the lord he is god in heaven above and on the earth below there is no other so you shall keep his statutes and his commandments which i am giving you today that it may go well with you and with your children after you obeying god is sometimes hard to do we all struggle with temptations Sometimes His will is difficult to understand. It's like looking at a stained glass window from the outside of the church. It just kind of looks blurry and you can't quite make out the image. But when you go into the sanctuary and you look out with the sun shining through it, all of a sudden the picture makes sense. And sometimes God's commandments are like that. They're not always easy to follow. They're certainly not always popular. It's not always easy to tell the truth when you know the truth may hurt you. It's not a, always easy to tithe when you know that your budget is, is short. It's not always easy to love your spouse when they're being mean to you. It's not always easy to be kind to your neighbor when they're a jerk. But you know what? That's what God told us to do. And that's what we're supposed to do. And through this obedience, we learn to appreciate and understand God. And that's why Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And Jesus also said, you are my friends if you do what I commanded you. A little girl was taught to play the piano, and she had to practice her scales over and over and over again. And I remember as a little boy, my mother taking them to piano class. That was a disaster from the beginning. But there I was. And I remember having to learn these scales over and over. And the little girl gets tired of these mundane exercises and they seem to restrict her freedom. Yet when she masters them and they come second nature to her, she is able to play the most beautiful music in the world. And so God, through trials and difficulties, he tests our faith, he gives us direction with his commandments, and we develop a deeper understanding in him. Yet too often many fail to obey and they give up wanting to circumvent the discipline of obedience. And so they live without ability to freely play the best of melodies. And and their lives reflect the discord of wrong notes out of tune with the master of life. Jesus says, obey me. Obey me. And if you really love me, you will. I know this is not a feel-good sermon. I understand that. I started to preach a sermon on how much God loves you. Everybody leave out of here just happy as it could be. But you know what? As I began to pray and, and prepare for this message over the last month, and I looked around me and saw what was happening in our culture, someone, sometimes somebody better stand up and say, this is what's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's serious business, my friends. It's not business as usual. And lastly, to love God with all your heart is to have a, be passionate about the mission of God. One is to have him above all things. Two is to walk humbly before him and obey his commandments. And three is to be passionate about the things that God is passionate about. One theologian said a person is not fitted for the Christian life until he has learned to like what Jesus liked. A virtue is never safe until it is transformed from duty into desire. Jesus came to save those who were lost, to seek and to save those out that needed help. This is the passion of God to redeem people for his own glory. Jesus restored self-respect to the lost. He told the woman about to be stoned to go and sin no more, but he did not condemn her. He called out to Zacchaeus and asked to eat at his house. He publicly allowed a woman with a bad reputation to wash his feet with, her, with the spince of oil in her hair and her tears and wipe away the dirt with her own hair. To love God is to go out to the highways and byways and compel them to come into God's fellowship of grace. We are not to judge, but we're to love them and encourage them to love God. And we're not only to love those in the world, but we're to love our brothers and sisters. The Bible exhorts us to love all people, especially the household of faith. And that is why before Jesus ascended into heaven, he had a meeting with Peter. And he asked Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus replied, then feed my sheep. We're to take care of each other. Amen? We're to watch each other's back. We're to lift up one another. Jesus said, this I, I mean, John said rather, this I command you, that you love one another. The whole book of 1 John is about Christians loving each other. My brothers and sisters, I fear that all too often we fail in this endeavor. Over the past few months, I've been trying to encourage a pastor who has been going through difficult days because of cruel criticism and political maneuvering among a few in his congregation. When will we, as Baptists, followers of Jesus, learn to be passionate about loving the family of God? I've spent a lot of my adult life helping churches which are broken and hurting because this one principle wasn't followed. God is passionate about us. We are his children. Should we not be any less passionate toward each other That's why the Bible says in 1 John, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. My friends, I fear that much of the decline in our own denomination is not just the onslaught of secularism, but rather the coldness and poor example of our love within the very ranks of our churches. Are you critical and judgmental toward other believers? Have you said mean and cruel things about certain people, even ministers of the gospel? The Bible says that we're to show double respect for those who teach and minister among us. We live in challenging times, don't we? Our children are indoctrinated every day. "'with philosophies of secularism. "'They go to school where violence and drugs are commonplace, "'and some have even died at the hands of deranged, misguided youth "'crying out of their loneliness. "'Satan's influence in the lives is alive and well, "'and our homes are bombarded through television "'with values of those who have no respect for the sanctity of marriage "'or the place for honorable sexual relationships.'" Our own government, founded upon a fear for the Lord, has lost its way, and attempts are made at every turn to marginalize the truth of Scripture and the preeminence of God that once occupied public opinions of morality. And those held up to be admired are entertainers rather than teachers of the Scriptures. Even in our own churches, we're more concerned about the music that moves our emotions, rather using it as a cheap replacement for the filling of God's Spirit. Sermons that entertain us and make us feel good rather than convict us. And programs that serve our own interests rather than the needs of the world about us. We're addicted to fellowship with each other at the expense of bringing the lost to the banqueting table of the Lord. Yes, we live in difficult days. Perhaps we live in the last days. And Jesus said, and because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold. In the book of the Revelation, we read about the church at Ephesus. The church was successful by all outward appearances, but the Lord said, But this I have against you, that you have lost your first love. The opportunity to love God is set before us today. To love him with all of our hearts will not be easy. It will require sacrifice. It will require obedience. It will require faith. It will require penance and humility. What I'm sharing with you this morning is not religion. It's not a ticket on the soul train to heaven. It's not a feel-good time, a religious club where you can give mental assent to some higher being. The command in the Bible is to love the Lord Jehovah God with all your heart, soul, and mind, to repent before him in humility and obey his commandments and be a light to this world. Will you be one of those whose love grows cold? Will I be one of those? Oh, God help me. In the face of tribulation and and temptation, will I find one day when I woke up only remembrances of my days of youth or younger, younger, uh, younger days or days gone by when my heart was aflame with a passion for God or even in my old age, Will I lay my head on my pillow with the same tears of gratitude that I did when he saved me when I was a teenager? Where are our hearts today? Where is your heart and where is mine? The only hope we have for wholeness, wellness, and redemption of heart, mind, and spirit is to seek him with all of our heart. A half-hearted disciple of Christ has no place in his kingdom. The command of God to love God with all our heart is nothing less than an opportunity to be rescued from the world and rebellion to the Lord. Just as in ancient times I exhort myself and you as Joshua exhorted the people. Choose you this day whom you shall serve. And I pray for you and I pray for myself. That as a fellowship of believers, we will have a passion for for our Lord. If your heart is not humbled before God today, if there are things or people or other things before the Lord in your life, if you're unwilling to repent, if there's some secret desire that you would not give up and let God have control over, And if you're not about the business of God and sharing His kingdom, I invite you to come before the, the altar this morning not to make some emotional decision, but to unite with all of us in these days of trial, in these days of temptation, maybe even the last days, and to look one another in the heart And say to your brothers and sisters, I love you and I got your back.